What's going on, everybody? You got Evan Knowles here. This week we've got Patrick Ulrich and Dan Carmen on the episode to talk about their Lexington Bitcoin consulting company. So Bitcoin has been a term and a technology that's been thrown around for several years now, uh, and it continues to get more and more popular uh, in the media and in the technology space. Uh, and there's a lot to understand, so it's a pretty complex uh, concept, but it's really important to understand because a lot of people, including myself, believe it's going to be an important part of the future. Uh, cryptocurrency of some kind will be an important part of the future, and if it's not cryptocurrency, then it's digital currencies. So I think understanding what's going on here is really important, and, and Dan and, and Patrick are working hard to inform people here uh, in the Commonwealth uh, about it. So if you want to learn more, this is going to be an awesome episode. Uh, I really encourage you to listen. Because, uh, again, I think it's something that's important to understand. Uh, so let's go ahead and get into it. going on everybody you got evan here we're sitting here with patrick ulrich and dan carmen from lexington bitcoin consulting um, so they are working hard here in the commonwealth and specifically lexington to advocate for bitcoin so we'll get into i'm sure many of you have heard what bitcoin is so many times i'm sure some of you might know what what's going on i'm sure some of you might not uh, but there are a lot of amazing things going on in the cryptocurrency space, the blockchain space. We'll touch on you know, all of these different aspects of um, this whole space that has really been talked about over the last several years, but we've been yet to really see um, it come to fruition in very apparent ways. Um, but I believe it's going to happen, so we're going to talk about that. Um, so, Dan, Patrick, thanks for joining us, man. Thanks for having us. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. Thanks for, thanks for having us on. For sure. Let's just jump you know, into your old background. Talk about where you're from, and then my follow-up question to that will be how you got into the crypto space. Go ahead, Patrick. Awesome. So I'm actually from eastern Kentucky, um, an area called Jackson County, so it's a little small, middle-of-nowhere place, but came up to uh, Lexington for college, just kind of stuck around ever since. Um, my background with Bitcoin actually started in around 2012, 2013, that time frame. Um, just got really enamored with the concept that there was a money that was outside of the control of anyone. There was just community-fed value. that There was just one source of it that way, um, which led to me buying my first Bitcoin ATM. So I actually had Bitcoin ATMs here in Lexington um, and Louisville that you could just walk up to, put in $5, and get $5 worth of Bitcoin back out. And... That led into meeting Dan, and now we're here working to advocate together. Yeah, Dan, what about you? Where are you from? I grew up in Lexington, uh, not too far from here where we sit. Um, <clears throat> uh, you know, at, at the age of 18, you know, decided to go away and do various things for, I don't know, several years. I uh, came back to Lexington uh, in my 30s. And, um, uh, you know, um, concerning Bitcoin, <clears throat> when, uh, so in my, uh, in another part of my life, I'm a, I'm a lawyer, 
around about 2012, um, uh, I had this guy come in and talk to me about that he got some kind of designer dope. I started asking him questions. Of course, this is like eight years ago. Designer dope. Yeah, designer dope. You know, like some kind of drugs that were evading the uh, purview of the DEA and the the statutes and this kind of thing. And um, and and so I started asking him questions because I'm an attorney, right? Got asked questions, and uh, and and he started telling me how he got this dope. And I said, "Well, that's really interesting." You know, of course, I knew, you know, from my, my case, my cases, my work, I knew, you know, the, I knew how, I knew these guys, I knew the DA agents, you know, I knew how the feds worked and the state authorities, <clears throat> thinking to myself, they have no idea what's going on right now, at least yeah. not, you know, at least not out here locally at that time, at least it didn't seem, and started talking to him, I said, hey, <clears throat> so how do you buy this stuff, you know, he's like, well, you gotta buy it with Bitcoin, I was like, what, <laughs> what's a Bitcoin? <laughs> And I was like, where, where, he's like, well, you know, you just buy it online. I was like, where do you, where do you get it? I mean, what, how do you get it? You know, of course, looking back on it, we know that he was talking about uh, getting, getting something on Silk Road. That's just back, back in the old days. This is 2012, 13, whatever. Um, and he's like, well, I just go, get, go to, I go to Rite Aid, and I buy, I, I buy Bitcoin. Well, that's not exactly how it works, right? You don't go to Rite Aid to buy Bitcoin. What apparently he was doing, looking back on it, he was going to Rite Aid. Western Union wiring money to like Char- yeah. Charlie Shrem's like Bidinston. Mount Bidinston or like Mount Gox replacement in Asia or something. Anyways, he it's like you know the janky way you used to be able to you know try to get Bitcoin back then. But anyways, that that's that's a little bit of an aside. But that's that's how uh, I first learned of Bitcoin, and I thought it was really interesting, not because. Uh, it was used for, uh, you know, facilitating some kind of purchase of, of some kind of unlawful substance, but because um, uh, it was it was extrajudicial and powerful in that sense. It, it kind of got me interested. So you know, I did a little, you know, little uh, little careful googling, you know, <clears throat> about this kind of thing. Got interested. Um, <clears throat> ended up buying some Bitcoin in I don't know, 2012 or 13 or something. Uh, kind of got a peek down the proverbial rabbit hole, as we all talk about, and um, didn't, you know, <clears throat> didn't quite dive all the way down it, but maybe, maybe put my put my toe or put my foot in it. <clears throat> Bought some Bitcoin, held on to it. This was on I don't know Bitport, BitPay or Coinbase. This was back then, you know, and uh, in in it seems didn't quite understand it as, as well as I, I should have or as well as I like, you know. As we know, the, with Bitcoin, the narrative changes over time. Yeah. You know, and, you know. I remember kind of talking, or I was trying to like shill Bitcoin to my friends back in like 2013. I remember sitting at a restaurant talking to them, like you know. And back then, for 13, 14, 15, whenever it was, it was like payments, man. I mean, this is like payments. It's a slick way to do payments. You can yeah. send money to South Korea or North Korea for you know pennies, you know, and it was like that was the greatest thing, but. And I didn't fully understand what I was talking about, apparently, and um, but kind of kept kept a little bit of an eye on it, and then and then I'd say right around 2016 or so, got got back interested in it in, in earnest, shall we say, and then 16, 17. Um, uh, fortunately, I guess a little bit before the big crazy mm-hmm. hype of uh, late 2017, which was nuts. Um, 
got 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 pretty pretty fully intellectually, emotionally, uh, uh, professionally invested in it, and then um, you know, dealt with Patrick right around. 17, 2016, 17. Before the build-up properly. Yeah, that's right. And we uh, then, you know, early 18, I think we, we cemented all, uh, you know, we did, we did the, the thing where you, you cut your finger and you shake <laughs> you, you, know, you lick your finger, you cut your finger, and you do a blood blood handshake kind of thing. And we said we're, we're partners for life or something like that. So, <clears throat> you know, and um, since then it's been great and we're, we're just doing our thing concerning uh, concerning uh, Bitcoin and Bitcoin consulting. Yeah. So let's um, kind of level set here and make sure everybody has a full understanding before we go any further <clears throat> into what Bitcoin is. Just give a, the most simple explanation that you can of Bitcoin to somebody that uh, has no idea what it is. Bitcoin can be described many ways. Um, Bitcoin is code. It's free speech. Uh, Bitcoin is a growth currency, and, and, and this is <laughs> this is not particularly responsive, but this is probably the truth. Yeah. Um, Bitcoin is uh, is a growth currency. Uh, Bitcoin can be considered an investment. One very significant thesis of Bitcoin is that it is digital gold, right? and so um, it's sound money. Um, it's 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 a way that um, humans now can have uh, sound money um, in, in a digital world, you know. There's only so much of it. 21 million. Yeah, 21 million. it's considered like gold, right? <laughs> well, yes, in the sense that, um, but, 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 you know, soon enough it will be uh, more scarce than gold, in yeah. fact. Um, mm. And so... Um, because it is it is harder to produce it than anything any other commodity any other monetary good uh, it's it's considered uh, at least we consider it the hardest money that humanity's ever ever had so that's uh, that that's why it's valuable yeah and it's built on a technology called blockchain you could say that yeah you could say that you know a blockchain you know uh, uh, Satoshi Nakamoto, the pseudonymous uh, coder, uh, of who um, you know, uh, you know, let Bitcoin out into the wild. Um, blessed be his name. Um, he, he. I don't know that he ever referred to it as a blockchain. He he did refer to it as a time chain. Time chain. At, mm. at some point, block. The, the word blockchain has taken on this. You know, it's like uh, the dot com bubble. It's everybody, everybody's trying to you know talk about it. And yeah, everybody's trying to get a yeah. Everybody's trying to get get some money for their their department and a raise and uh, and you know try to try to keep up with the uh, their competitor company and stuff with their blockchain initiative. But of course, I don't know if Patrick would agree with me, but we submit to you that you know blockchain and and as such is is, is there's really not much of an important blockchain or public blockchain except for Bitcoin because it really, really doesn't have much use except for money. Hmm. So, right. but that's that might be our position, and that's that's a pretty typical Bitcoin maximalist position. Yeah. Um, so, how is the Lexington Bitcoin? How is your consulting dealing with this in in the city? What is your role for the city of Lexington related to Bitcoin? Well. Um, 
there's a book uh, that was written and I think was published in about 1996, maybe uh, somewhere along there, called the Sovereign Individual. And if, if you haven't, if you haven't taken a look at it, you should. Some very prescient um, observations and predictions. And <clears throat> but if in the Sovereign Individual, um, among other observations, you know these these very uh, uh, insightful uh, authors of this book uh, predicted that um, eventually due to um, the advent of internet technology and our move into the digital age, right? We may have started out as hunter-gatherers and we became an agricultural society then an industrial society and now we have this turning and we're now a digital society, right? <clears throat> and But because of this and, and in this sense we... Uh, um, we're becoming uh, a little bit, a little bit less nation-state oriented, and I think think they'll probably, ultimately, maybe not in our immediate lifetimes, maybe my children or grandchildren's lifetimes, maybe a little bit more uh, local oriented. And so, in that sense, um, we uh, are at least, you know, I think Patrick and I are committed to making sure, to the greatest extent we possibly can, that our community. Lexington, Bay County, Central Kentucky, right, is um, is a part of, of what is happening, is a part of this this uh, opportunity, this development, and what um, a guy named Trace Mayer calls a, a once in a species event, and so um, that's why it's important for us, I think, in Lexington to um, be able to uh, facilitate this kind of stuff here. And make sure that um, that Bitcoin is, uh, you know, is understood to the greatest extent possible, and frankly, is owned by people around here in our community. Because as a, as a guy named Max Kaiser has said, you know, he he who owns the Bitcoin makes the rules. What's been What's been your experience? Because I know this area is typically thought of as not as technologically advanced as maybe the West Coast or even the East Coast. <laughs> what's been your guys' experience? going around into the community and trying to educate people about this new form of technology and payments, have people adopted it quicker than you thought or not as quickly as you thought? I'll personally say that I would lean more to not as quick as I thought. Um, I kind of bring in the technologist's view of mm -hmm. always thinking what's going to be the thing 10 years down the road and kind of me jumping into it personally that way. So whenever I got to speak with people, I expect others to, just share that same mindset and often I don't find it right um, but that being said people still seem receptive they understand the core values of um, of scarcity mm -hmm. and that's what Bitcoin provides is a way that they can hold their value without fear that the government's going to go and print more money or do anything mm -hmm. like that that's going to deflate their value so those those same principles still resonate even if the idea of Bitcoin <laughs> itself may not be for what drives everybody in, but the principles of understanding um, sound value resonates in the area. So it's it just kind of depends on how people look at it, whether it be the technology or understanding what just true sound money is. Mm -hmm. Yeah, and yeah, I think that's right. I'd also say that um, Lexington and, and sort of, you know, its environment, you know, central Kentucky is, you know, it's it's a little bit old-fashioned if you're comparing it to the coast. Sure. You know, the yeah. coast and things like that. But um, I think that the the principles 
that uh, undergird um, the need for sound money uh, as opposed to easy, fast money and, and fiat-type malinvestment and things like that. Mm -hmm. Those principles are pretty firmly aligned with um, the principles and values of people here in this community. And, um, you know, Lexington, you know, if you travel the world, you, you, you eventually figure this out. And I, I would uh, I'll, I'd take anybody on in this argument. Lexington is a highly civilized place, you know. And, um, you know, that kind of culture is very much in line with the culture of low time preference, sound money, um, and uh, building for uh, not just, you know, and, and, and expending energy, time, money, effort, not just for what feels good today, mm -hmm. but what is good for your children and your children and your children's children and their children yeah. on down seven generations. Yeah. Yeah, that, that, that culture is definitely here. It's, you know, would you say conservative is another way to say that? When you say civilized... <clears throat> Um, I'd say civilized. Civilized. Okay. Yeah, it, it's a you know, um, this isn't Lexington's not a fast money, easy money place necessarily. Yeah. I mean, look, we got fast horses, beautiful women, or yeah. something like that. Whatever you know, but but it, it's it, it's it's a place where people uh, you know understand the value of, uh, of what's important. Yeah. I think, and and we're you know we're committed to it. I want my community to to, to grow and thrive and. Uh, you know, and be a part of what what I think is a is a very very big development in um, in, in history, and, and what may be uh, the greatest wealth transfer in, in the history of the world. Yeah, yeah, I definitely can see that that potential in in Bitcoin. Um, you know, one of the things about Bitcoin that I've that I've studied is that you know, the larger the network, the more value valuable it becomes because there's you know scarcity. The more people that are using this, uh, the more people that you know, basically can exchange this to value if it goes up. Um, so I definitely get get the potential of where Bitcoin could head. Um, you know, beyond educating, you know, the city of Lexington and, and the people here, do you guys provide other services? Sure. Yeah, talk about some of those other services beyond, you know, just education. Well, um, you know, what we do, we assist um, in a variety of ways, uh, people that contact us and, and would, would appreciate our assistance, not only you know, not only education and and doing things locally, but um, you know, we you know, we receive calls from people elsewhere in the United States and elsewhere in the world who just need some some technical uh, and and business oriented assistance in uh, just Bitcoin matters, whether that be st uh, purchases. You know, uh, on private onboarding, um, uh, you know, purchasing Bitcoin, uh, OTC desk uh, connections. OTC desk for your listeners is like over-the-counter type desk, like basically private Bitcoin brokerages, as opposed to just you know going online, you know, on an app and buying just a little bit of Bitcoin. Um, you know, um, so we assist a variety of different kinds of people, and um, it's. Uh, it's, you know our focus is on Lexington and Central Kentucky, but you know, it's um, it's something that we are uh, we're privileged to have the opportunity to help people elsewhere as well, and yeah. um, that's, that's okay. Yeah, and we're we're happy to do that. It's 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 fun for us. So. Yeah. Um, so we've kind of talked about some of the pros 
of Bitcoin, um, you know, it holds value. It's supposed to over time because it's, you know, limited amount. Um, it's can go across borders, uh, easily exchanged, um, fast, fast exchange. Um, talk about some of the, the negatives that people might associate, you know, with Bitcoin. And another pro is, you know, it's anonymous. I think that's definitely a pro. Some people look at that as, as, a, as a positive. So I look at that as a positive. Some people, they associate the negatives that come along with, with Bitcoin and cryptocurrencies with the fact that it's anonymous because it leads to you know, criminal activity. Yeah. So, so talk about some of the negatives. That yeah. So let me hit on that real quick yeah. and then I may pass the mic to Patrick. But let me hit on that. It's actually the least anonymous thing you can imagine. And if I may yeah, go explain, ahead. right? I'm, so yeah. and I, I know this from from other other parts of my professional life. But, you know, understand, you know, this ledger, the Bitcoin ledger or the blockchain, or the time chain or whatever you call it, that is a public ledger. Mm -hmm. It's supposed to be, right? I mean, it's a public ledger that's shared with everybody who's on the code on a node throughout the world, right? Thousands and thousands of people have this ledger. And if a if a transaction is is done on the on chain, right? On the on the Bitcoin uh, blockchain as it were, that that transaction is not anonymous and then uh through some, I don't want to say trivial because it does take a little bit of expertise to do it, but you know, through some uh, chain analysis, it can it can fairly easily be determined. You know, <clears throat> plus maybe a little bit of just basic old-fashioned forensic work, it can be determined. You know, uh, what happened, who did it, um, you know, how much was purchased, how much was transacted, where the UTXOs went, and so forth and so on. And so it's actually it's actually the opposite of anonymous. Mm, okay. it's, it's actually quite a public thing. Um, now, I will say that there are, and this, I'm, I'm, devi I'm kind of moving a little bit away from your question, but yeah, no <clears throat> there is a concern. If you think about, and I'm not the first person to kind of provide this paradigm, but there are kind of two fronts on the in the wall. Right? There's the there's the if you think and the, the the rough analogy would be like you know in the Second World War you had like the European front and like the Pacific right okay if you think about it this way you know on the one hand we have the front of of uh, of sound monetary policy right uh, we're doing pretty well on that front in other words we got we got the 21 million the social consensus is is coalesced there you know. Uh, the, the the forks of Bitcoin have become, I don't know, uh, basically, you know, they're just not not particularly relevant anymore. I remember when that happened. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, I mean, be cash, be everything, be pizza. <laughs> <laughs> they become kind of silly and just kind of not not particularly relevant. And so, we, we, you know, the the showing point, the social consensus around is around this twenty one million. And I don't want to say we've achieved it because it's a daily thing, right? I mean, it's just an ongoing thing. But but the there's this the front of of sound monetary policy is in fairly good shape, and we're we're, we're thankful for that. And I think most Bitcoiners and would would say that that's the most important thing. The other front is the privacy fungibility, right? and you know we've got. Um, because Bitcoin is is not anonymous, and because it is a public ledger, there are concerns about whether you can have a good money that is not fungible, completely fungible, right? So, in other words, 
if it can be shown on the ledger that a bit, that some bitcoins went through some like quote unquote bad guy's wallet, right? A terrorist or a, some person on like an OFAC list or you name it, you know, if if then those UTXOs are, you know, if then those bitcoins so-called are, or those Satoshis are moved to somebody else's wallet, if there's some kind of link or chain or chain of custody, so to speak, of those tainted coins, right? And so that become that privacy fungibility becomes an issue mm. when we're talking about the future of Bitcoin and whether it's going to be a you know truly uh, fulfill what we tend to believe is its destiny as you know a store of value, then ultimately a medium of exchange, and then also ultimately a global unit account. So um, it's it's not anonymous, which is a good thing and a bad yeah. thing. Yeah. It, but but. But there are concerns about actually to, to kind of do a little judo and flip your question on its head a little bit. There are actually some concerns about whether it's not anonymous enough, yeah. so to speak, you know, um, and, it, and which in a sense would so be a better cash. So. It's not anonymous because because you have that public ledger, you can track those past transactions and recognize and track who that is based on connecting certain data points and knowing that those transactions happened at that time. Okay, so for example, yeah. say you go on to one of the more popular things like Coinbase yeah. and you buy $20. Coinbase has a record on their centralized database showing that you purchased $20 now from your bank account linking mm. the two together. With your name, yeah. Exactly. Okay. So at any point, whenever you withdraw your Bitcoin, Coinbase also knows what address they've withdrawn to. So those data points now link any addresses along that chain of transactions back to your initial funding source. So you can see that not only did you buy $20 from Coinbase, but you can see how it's processed over to whatever people you pay. Yeah, exactly. And that's, and that's, and that's actually a KYC AML example, right? I mean, there are some, but even with some forensic work, you can even, even if you you, if even if hypothetically you did not pro, like buy your Bitcoin through an exchange that required know your customer any model anti money anti money laundering uh, you know procedures with some chain analysis that and some forensics it still may be able to be determined who you are but in any event Patrick's exactly right I mean yeah. most most Bitcoins bought I, I would venture to say that most Bitcoins bought uh, with KYC AML right now and. It's it's a fairly trivial matter for those who really want to know to determine who, yeah. who has it. Yeah, that's it. a totally new learning for me. I totally thought it was anonymous. <laughs> um, so talk about you know one of the big things being talked about right now in the crypto space is you know some of these other players entering the space. Facebook, uh, Libra. You know, talk about this whole what what your all's opinion on this is. Personally, I don't I, I don't view them as entering the same space. Um, okay. When I view Bitcoin, I view it as more the battle with the dollar, the battle with state-issued currencies. Okay. Well, Libra would be more battle with PayPal as another way to move the same traditional assets on a different payment rule, while Bitcoin itself is more competing to be sound value. Okay. Um, so it's kind of a different comparison. Yeah, I, I think. Yeah, I I agree with Pat. I don't mean to but I, I totally agree with Patrick. I mean, look, you know. You know these, and look when you're talking about Facebook, Visa, PayPal entering the space. If that's not the space, they're just they're just you know look. 
Libra, Libra was interesting, right? Because Libra, I, 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 in some ways, I think we appreciated the Libra um, hubbub in Congress and all that, right? Because mm-hmm. all of a sudden you got Donald Trump tweeting about Bitcoin and other stuff like that. You've got Congress, you've got comments about Bitcoins and yeah. SHIT coins in the congressional record. And, you know, <clears throat> I, I so I appreciate the Libra... Um, I appreciated that solution being like dropped into the into the, the, the social consensus in the into the public dialogue in, in order to um, you know that, that drop of liquid and other in, in order to sort of stimulate some debate. But no, it, that has nothing. That, I mean, I don't say nothing to the Bitcoin. By the way, I mean, I don't think Libra was even. I mean, that's not a blockchain. I mean, really? It's yeah, it's private. debatable. Yeah, it's debatable yeah, I mean, look, whether or not it's a blockchain. Yeah. <laughs> Right, right. I mean, I mean, look, it's a payment rail. You know, Bitcoin. The purpose of Bitcoin is not payments. It's not a payment rail. You know, it's it's sound money, and it's in in a pithy sense, it's digital gold or synthetic synthetic gold. I mean, look, you know, th- all this stuff. You know, if, if you look at the future of uh, currencies, and I don't I don't know what Patrick's opinion is, and I'm happy to have him uh, you know, jump on the mic here in just a second. I'd, I'd love to hear his opinion, but you know, you can imagine a future. You know, I don't know how far down the the the, the uh, timeline we are toward something that's a bit more Orwellian, but you're looking at. I think it makes sense that that you know some of the major uh, uh, you know, currencies will become um, tokenized, so to speak, in the future, just because of the liquidity opportunities, including the dollar, right? Mm-hmm. So you can imagine a future where we have Fed coin. Yuan, RMB, like China coin, Libra coin, which is like a corporate coin, and then Bitcoin. You can imagine a future where those are the big, those are kind of the big, the big uh, yeah. currencies. And but but nothing nothing is like Bitcoin because Bitcoin is the only one that is decentralized, uh, seizure resistant, censorship resistant, uh, trust minimized, and um, you know. One that nobody controls. You yeah. mentioned so you mentioned these these altcoins, these shit coins, as as you referred to them as. So my biggest thing with Bitcoin and these other altcoins, one, it it throws a lot of confusion into the ring with cryptocurrency and and the way people perceive Bitcoin. But in my head, I always wanted to look at it as as a a better alternative because it's iterations on it. So I'd like to hear your guys's uh, rebuttal to that as as the way I view it. The way I view it is one of these forks or like Litecoin or someone that's basically taken the code from Bitcoin and improved on it, made it quicker, uh, made the block sizes bigger, um, provided more more privacy like Monero. I know I'm pretty sure is more private than Bitcoin. So why why is Bitcoin the end all be all when you could arguably say that some of these altcoins have improved little little pieces of Bitcoin along the way? You can take it. Near and dear to my heart. Um, <laughs> yeah, I'm, I'm interested for the answer on this one, really. Um, where do I begin? So, uh, first, um, Bitcoin has the network effects mm-hmm. for sure um, that 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 will that will just in a sort of synergistic fashion essentially disallow just through market forces disallow. Any other, um, I hate to even call them competitors because that's probably a compliment, but 
uh, any 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 other sort of public blockchains or cryptocurrencies from <coughs> entering the space in a truly meaningful way. Uh, network effects, uh, including but not limited to uh, speculators, miners, uh, developers, uh, uh, financial products, financialization, um, all these things work together. Um, there are others, but all these things work together to give Bitcoin um, just just too much too much sway. Um, Bitcoin. That's the first. Second, Bitcoin mm-hmm. has what we would call the immaculate conception. Right. There are no founders. Right. Yeah. I mean, there's Satoshi. No and he's, there's Satoshi, and he or she or it or they. Or Elon is Musk a, is a. <laughs> <laughs> there's no Elon Musk. <laughs> there's no. There's no. There's nobody. It's it's a ghost and mm-hmm. it's gone. And there's no there's nobody controlled. There's no nobody to subpoena. If the government wanted to shut down Ethereum, for whatever reason, I'm not saying they do, but if they ever did, you know, they could they could subpoena, or they could cert, you know do some kind of service of process of some kind of documents on approximately five people, and Ethereum would be in big have big problems. And that's about it, right? Mm-hmm. Okay, and and. Um, uh, and this isn't a podcast about Ethereum's problems, but that's you know that's just an example. So, because so so again, secondly, Bitcoin has the immaculate conception. It was conceived in a way that um, in a proper way, in, in the way in which in which Satoshi knew that this could have happened. Uh, he or she or whomever went dark in 2010, I believe. And that was that. So there's n- there's no centralized party. There's nobody to subpoena. There's nobody to shut down. Mm-hmm. It's just completely uh, decentralized. And this is and this is part of the uh, the, uh, the sturdiness of, of the Bitcoin network. <clears throat> Number three, um, the the concept what Bitcoin has done for the world. The world has it has given us the concept of digital scarcity. Mm-hmm. Okay, now think about ever since the sort of you know the internet has become a thing, right? I mean, we're talking about the nineteen seventies, the eighties, the nineties, the darknet, and all this stuff. And you know, ev- you know, ever since the, the, the digital age, the digital age has almost been um, uh, almost synonymous with replicability. The ability to replicate data and and copy and paste a file and so forth. Okay, Bitcoin has given us digital scarcity. Okay, and it's almost it almost defeats uh, the concept to say, well, well, and, and by the way, scarcity is most important uh, for money, which by the way is as fundamental to humanity as language. Yeah, absolutely. And, and, Okay, and, and and may have may have may have come about about the same time as language uh, in in prehistory. But so, if the concept of digital scarcity, Bitcoin gave us this, to say that there is another non-trivial monetary good outside of that twenty-one million or past that twenty-one million, it defeats the purpose of digital scarcity. In other words, if another one is to be is to succeed. And that defeats the whole purpose of, of the whole concept of digital scarcity. Yeah. In, in fact, the whole purpose of digital currency. By the way, we already have digital currency, right? 90% of the U.S. dollars in circulation are digital, mm-hmm. right? Yeah. I mean, yeah. It, it, that, that's it, a good way to explain it. So in other words, it's $21 million and that's that. That's yeah. freaking that. 
you yeah. know and if and if you and if and if if monero or or litecoin or pizza coin or whatever uh is to come along it's just uh it, it defeats the whole purpose of, of the of, of the of really the phenomenon the movement if you will yeah lastly i'd say um that uh you know well, I'll tell you what. I'll let Patrick jump in, and then I might make a point. Well, I guess so, jeopardize the mic here. I guess my point to the technical side would even be that when you look at at Bitcoin, it it's almost the base layer, and you can use second layers to do anything that's cool as far as the payment technology or yeah. the mixing. Um, so there's things like Lightning as far as sending value. Um, Bitcoin has a traditional ten minute block time, as a lot of people know if you know a little bit about Bitcoin. But there's ways that you can actually work those transactions into a network called the Lightning Network. You can send funds instantly that are cryptographically sound and locked that are just as fast as anything else, faster than any three-second blockchains and such like that. Um, even beyond that, you can have second layers that add fungibility. That's some of the different things that are being addressed now as ways to add that fungibility that Dan talked about. So there's there is a lot of cool tech that's looked at inside of these but at the same time that tech isn't what the value proposition of digital currencies or blockchain and, and, is. and bitcoin will suck it up i mean look if there's if there's a if there's a good innovation bitcoin will suck it up now bitcoin bitcoin development and i'm not a core developer and, and i'm not a i don't have a much of a technical background which is probably an understatement but um bitcoin will suck it up if there's a great if there's a if there's a truly groundbreaking uh privacy or other Related technical technical development, uh, you know, you better believe that Bitcoin can and will absorb it if it's appropriate. Um, but it's you know these all these these so called altcoins are are interesting test nets or experiments, I guess. And I'm and and I also I I will say as an aside that I appreciate you know the fact that they just sort of add to the hype of the whole <laughs> yeah. the whole the whole sort of quote unquote cryptocurrency world. Let me say one or two other points on that and then we'll move on. Yeah. <clears throat> understand that these projects, man, all these other projects, right? If you understand like if you understand the concept of a cargo cult, right? The proverbial cargo cult, and I'm gonna I'm gonna butcher the the uh the proverb here, but basically, you know, a ship flies in you know, or, excuse me. An airplane flies in, flies into an island, dropping off supplies. You know, and the population of this island, and I'm going to try to describe this in a culturally neutral, sensitive way. But you know, the airplane flies in, and then and the inhabitants of the island receive these supplies. And this happens once a month. It happens once a month for say 12 months in a row. Month 13, there's no airplane. Month 14, there's no airplane. Month 15, the islanders save themselves. You know, we need these goods, and they they construct an airplane that looks like the airplane that used to fly in to deliver these goods, right? You know, they like they like make it out of like you know, like <laughs> yeah. palm yeah. trunks and stuff, right? To simulate the to, to try to to try to conjure the effects of this airplane coming in, right? It's like a cargo cult. This is this is the, yeah. this is the point, and so the point is. A lot of these projects are aping, and this was classic, you know, sort of 2017 hype and stuff. You know, these projects ape the Bitcoin because of the the profound success and, and potential of Bitcoin. And that's that's essentially what we're looking at, you know. 
is, 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 is aping a lot of the characteristics of what is actually a truly great project. So. Yeah, that, that makes a lot of sense as well. That's a great explanation. What are some of the catalysts, you know, world events, cultural events, um, monetary events in the world that will be a catalyst for Bitcoin going forward? You know, I think, you know, we can say that uh, is it going to grow really slowly or there'll be events that happen in the world that make us realize, oh, shit. number go up. Say it again. Number go up. It, I'm, I'm kidding. But at the same you want time, you want to take this one? at the same time you're not um, the the biggest thing that I think that's going to be non correlated. Go ahead. <laughs> is that Bitcoin itself um, has a having? So every four years you see the supply of Bitcoin that are being introduced to the market being cut in half. So that means that every four years, as long as supply for this asset stays equal, that means that. By supply and demand, the price is going to have to go up. Mm -hmm. And so as Dan keeps alluding to, the number is going to keep going up, which is just going to keep driving more demand. Listen, on a world, world event, listen, I think that what Patrick may be saying, and correct me if I'm wrong, but <coughs> world events, you know, which schmuck is elected president, um, you, know, uh, you know, Russia, you know, the Chinese, the latest Chinese virus, all this stuff. Doesn't matter for the most part. These things can cause tiny little blips in the day to day price action of Bitcoin. <clears throat> what we're talking about here, and I'll, I'll try to keep it short, but what we're talking about here is, uh, and Satoshi was, was quite eloquent in his code, basically instituting this. What we're talking about here is stock to flow ratio, right? Okay. Basically, every four years there's a happening. Okay. The next happening is happening in early May 2020. Okay, and the next one will be in, you know, sometime in the spring of 2024. We believe, <clears throat> although it's not based on a time like a, whatever, like a Julian or Gregorian calendar. calendar. Yeah. It's based on actually like, <coughs> like the 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 the, the, uh, the block times. The block times, right? Okay. So, so basically, what happens is these happenings occur. And what happens is it's happening, the rate of issuance of new Bitcoins gets cut in half, right? So right now we've got about approximately, what is it, 12 and a half new Bitcoins are issued to the miners uh, every, every, every approximate Roughly. 10 minutes, right? Okay. At a, at, at a, at all of a sudden, on approximately May 8th, 2020, although it may be plus or minus a couple of days, we're kind of, still trying to figure it out, that rate of issuance of new supply gets cut in half. Okay, and that happens again roughly four years later. Yeah. Okay, and what what history has shown, and this is this is actually emergent and proxy. This this is a description of what has emerged as human behavior. This is proxyological. Okay, this is descriptive. What you see, and this has now been studied, and you see not only a correlation but a co-integration that price tracks the stock to flow ratio in an absolutely uncanny fashion and so what happens is there's a halvening or a having as it were every four years approximately a year and a half after the halving you have the peak of the hype cycle so you had the the spring 2016 halving what happened in late 2017 everything went bonkers right price went up to 19,000 you have the may 2020 halving what could, and I'm, I don't have a crystal ball, and I'm not God, I don't know what's going to happen, but what's, what could happen 
in November, December 2021. Bonkers. Price action. Okay. And and we we, we have this. And this price correlation has occurred. You can track it back. Not only correlation, but co-integration like a rubber band. The price and the stock-to-flow ratio don't ever get too far away from one another. <clears throat> and this goes back to Bitcoin's early days from 2011 and so forth. So, you know, this is this is how we... And, and by the way, the R2, and I'm not a statistician, but the R2 of basically the price versus stock-to-flow ratio, the stock being what exists out there currently and now as far as the supply of Bitcoin versus the flow, which is the the issuance of new Bitcoins every year, okay? The R2 of the, of the stock-to-flow versus the price, okay, in Bitcoin's case is like something like 92, 93%. With gold, it's like 98, 99%, right? Yeah. Like this is real stuff, so... So just, just to clarify what you're saying here, you're saying that they're very, very closely correlated. Like they move together very, very closely. They, they, they do, they actually do. And um, so this is what... Uh, I would, and if I can speak for Patrick as well for a moment, this is what we think will essentially, I mean, if you had to, you know, I can't predict the future and I don't claim to be able to do so and I'm not going to make an absolute price prediction, but if you put a gun to my head and said, you know, tell me about what you think the Bitcoin price will probably be at a certain date and time, you know, I look at at the stock to flow and that's just kind of how it works. You know, it's the way a commodity works. I can explain why that is, but you know, I don't want to take it too much yeah. time. But. Yeah, no, we gotta, you know, for the sake of you know the audience, we gotta keep it uh, as high level you know as we can. Um, but let's. We always like to end on a couple questions. One is the future of Bitcoin in Lexington. Where do you all see that going? You know, you guys talked about how you're helping the city begin to adopt this more, begin to become more educated on this. But, you know, looking forward, do you guys see more of the same or do you guys see anything changing in the city of Lexington as far as, you know, Bitcoin goes? I think my utopian dream would be to say that you see Bitcoin become just as commonly used here as as money. Yeah. That you view money as no different of a thing that you do Bitcoin. Um, That being said, I do realize that's going to be a longer term dream. Um, So I, I still see lots of the same. I see that. As interest peaks, we're going to see waves of new entrants into the thing that will say, hey, I would love to begin accepting Bitcoin at my shop. Um, tell me how. Yeah. All the way to whatever those services may be. I just think it's going to be a time as people, as as the community finds the value to it, um, which work every day to try to help them see that. Yeah. Um, so, uh, future of Bitcoin in Lexington. I think that... Um, Lexington is a very prudent place, and I think that there will come a time, okay? And listen, it's gradually than suddenly. Yeah. Okay? Just like if you look at the tall S-curve of, in, of adoption of any new technology, yeah. it's gradually than suddenly. And there mm-hmm. will come a time, and it will be gradually and then all of a sudden, when it will become imprudent not to, not to have any Bitcoin. And I say Bitcoin, but what I actually mean is Satoshis. Because by that time... And the time is approaching. Most people won't be able to uh, afford to own a whole bit. Yeah, right. Okay. <clears throat> and so it will become imprudent. It will be like insurance. Like, I don't know, like home insurance or something. Like. Yeah. What do you mean? You don't have like, homeowner's insurance? What are you crazy? <laughs> like, what if your house burns down, right? Yeah. So it will become, 
like we, we always think, you know, I think one of the one of the signs or markers of hyper Bitcoinization will be that when it becomes imprudent, not to not to have any. I think I think that's that's Jameson Lopp's idea, by the way. That's I don't take credit for that. And so, um, and, and I think Lexington is a very prudent place. Um, and I think that um, you know, I think Lexington uh, there's a, there's an opportunity for us to. Uh, be, be involved and see the future, uh, not be blind, and um, try to take take advantage of our opportunities. I I don't have a an enormous amount of confidence in uh, the long term of the economy. Maybe in some sense, right? I mean, I think I think the final crackup boom is coming. We don't know when. Um, if you're an Austrian economist, that's that's kind of what you know is going to happen. And so, uh, I want I want Lexington to be prepared for that. I want people here, my loved ones, to be prepared for that. And so, that's what we intend to intend to do. You know, Patrick and I wish to facilitate, um, um, you know, Bitcoin uh, not only adoption as a store of value, but also as Patrick, you know, this is his. I know what goes through his head. You know, sugar plums and fairies and and uh, Bitcoin is a medium exchange, uh, and 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 I think eventually we'll get there, and so uh, I I look forward to that that day as well. I think that uh, it's very likely that Bitcoin will um, will do a lot of things for people in Lexington and elsewhere. Um, you know, money is such a uh, an unbelievably almost unconscious part of our part of our lives. You know, half of every transaction is money, and and. Um, whether whether we're talking about lower our, lowering our time preference because of scarce asset, or um, you know being you know being more guarded against malinvestment because of uh, we won't we won't be so concerned about easy money because the easy money will you know collapsed or dried up. So I don't know. So we're we're excited. Uh, it's a it's quite a time to be alive um, from this perspective, um, and so I don't know. I just. Uh, you know, I'm fortunate to have uh, Patrick as my partner in uh, in this endeavor, and you know, I look forward. I think the next few years are going to be a lot of fun. Yeah, awesome. Well, thank you guys for coming on. I hope that you know the audience was able to come away with this, learning things just like I did. You know, uh, I, I learned a lot there in the middle of the episode. And go ahead. Yeah, I just want to give you a shout out yeah. to your podcast. I think it's great. Um, you've had a lot of great guests on, and I just want to, um, and I know some of them personally, and I just want to encourage you guys to keep doing what you're doing. It's an awesome podcast.